BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Large retail and e-commerce companies have made it easy for consumers to buy just about anything and everything online. But there's a new company in Chicago that is helping small businesses compete with the big guys so they can offer the same flexibility and speed of receiving their purchases. La La Move is an app-based, same-day courier service that helps with delivery for small businesses. The goal at La La Move is simple. Help local Chicago small businesses by providing affordable delivery for their customers. La La Move merges the rideshare model with courier services to deliver anything from flowers to furniture and everything in between. Right now, La La Move is offering free delivery for one month. Visit lalamove.com. That's lalamove.com to learn more. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for today, all right? Wednesday, February 10th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor. They are sponsors, as well as the Chicago Reader. Thanks for the new logo, Chicago Reader. Uh, ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, all that stuff. Subscribe. Let them know that you appreciate them having the Ben Jarofsky Show. All right. We have a song of the day. It's Pinball Wizard by The Who. Oh, man, that was bad. The Ben Jarofsky show starts now. <laughs> it is Wednesday, February 10th, and live from my apartment and his attic. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. Calm is Donnie's Lawyer Wednesday. And here's why. Spent the part, better part of last night and this morning checking out the impeachment. Yes, in fact, I was uh, for about a half an hour or so. I was uh, watching it before uh, Dennis and I went over what we're going to do today in the show on the phone with Monroe going, are you believing this? Just so uh, if there's anyone out there who doesn't know, President Donnie on trial in the Senate for the high crime of whipping up a MAGA mob and directing them to the Capitol to force, by force, Michael Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, to reverse the will of the people and snatch the election from Joe Biden and give it to Donnie. And so on to the Capitol, MAGA marched and into the chamber they stormed, whacking cops over the heads with hockey sticks and fire extinguishers and baseball bats so much for the party of law and order. It's pretty much an open and shut case. All of America heard President Donnie call the mob to action and all of America watched the mob go into action. And the only issue really 
was how are his lawyers going to talk their way out of it? And so yesterday, to the rostrum, in the Senate, step Bruce Castor. And folks, let me tell you. Duh, uh, <laughs> yes, Wait. Dennis, you're right. It was one of the worst legal performances I've ever seen. I will now quote more or less from the transcript. <clears throat> uh, um, uh, hey, uh, um, uh, I'm here as the prosecutor. I need to defend her. I'm the, the defender. <laughs> Oops. Don't you hate it when you do that? You get things reversed? I'm so used to being the pr- prosecutor, I got mixed up. My bad. I really know the difference. Uh, mm, uh, uh, and so on uh, and so forth. Uh, uh. <laughs> it sounded a little like Dennis's imitation of Governor Rauner. That's what I thought you said at first. But it was Bruce yeah. Caster, a different, uh, different guy. <laughs> but they were, they're soulmates when it comes to speaking. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> even Alan Dershowitz, who loves Donnie Trump like I love fried chicken, couldn't believe it. He went on TV and said, there is no argument. I have no idea what he's doing. I have no idea what he's saying and why he's saying it. President Donnie was reportedly enraged. He was watching the proceeds from his Mar-a-Lago club in Palm Beach, and he went ballistic saying stuff like, you call this mother beep a lawyer? I want that guy, Jamie Raskin. And all the aides who gathered in the room were a little too afraid to tell him, uh, President Donnie, uh, Raskin's a Democrat on the other side. Now, do you have a couple of theories as to why Donnie's legal team is so wretched? We'll start with theory number one, 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 one. And theory number one is this, it's very simple. No credible self-respecting lawyer would take the case because President Donnie is notorious deadbeat when it comes to his lawyers, well known for not paying his bills. Even Alan Dershowitz is saying, ah, this ain't for free, my friend. With Donnie, any defense lawyer will tell you, you gotta take the money up front in cash. Apparently Donnie Trump is a little low on cash these days. Theory number two, it's all part of a larger social experiment. We call it the Rom Daly experiment. And I talk about this all the time. I name it for the Chicago mayors who every now and then get bored with their jobs and think, how low can I go and still win aldermanic approval? What really brain dead, stupid idea can I come up with just to see if it passes the city council? In Daly's case, he's like, I know. I'll sell the parking meters worth $10 billion for $1 billion, and it passes 35 to 5. They don't even read the legislation in the aldermen. In the Rom's case, it's like, I'll close mental health clinics in high crime areas where people need them the most. Passes 50 to nothing. And the alderman prays Rom. Rom's watching in disbelief as one alderman after another rises to say, Oh, what a wonderful mayor you are. I love you more than I love the sun rising in the east and setting in the west. And then they all break into Minnie Ripperton. Loving you, it's easy because you're beautiful. And then Rom's like the little bird in the Minnie Ripperton song. Go, go, go. And Rom's thinking, God, what a bunch of dummies. It always comes back to Rom with you, doesn't it? <laughs> Rom and Daly. Don't forget Daly. So I say all this, folks, just in case there's anyone in Chicago who thinks that they're better than MAGA. You're not much better. Anyway, back to the impeachment. 
So the test is how lousy of a case can they present and still get Republican senators to vote to acquit? Well, we shall see. Because that defense was even worse than the parking meter deal, <laughs> the parking meter deal or Mayor Rahm's first budget. And so we all finally know who is more spineless. A Chicago alderman under Daly or Rahm or a Republican senator under President Donnie. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson, he's all fired up. He's a little irritated about all the people going on Facebook, trash-talking him for being wrong so many times over the last few years. Going to have to deal with that. Babs. I don't know if you saw that, D. Babs, but we're a funny Facebook post about highlighting all the time Monroe's been wrong over the last few years. Oh, come on. In his heart, he's right. What up, Babs? Uh, anyway, Monroe uh, swears this time... <laughs> his prediction of him of conviction will come true. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm not sure they can get uh, 17 uh, votes to convict, no matter what the evidence is. Anyway, Monroe will be here in a little while. Plenty of political talk ahead of us. Before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man that Daly, Rom, Monroe, and President Donald Trump probably call Dr. D with the news. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, uh, now, a few months back, well, probably like a year back now, honestly, I met Rahm Emanuel, all right? Now, Ben and I had a funny little, you know, time talking about it and everything. He was on Fran Spielman's show. I was working the board. Rahm was right there in my face. And uh, one thing I've kind of kept from Ben is that I have Mayor Rahm's contact, you know what I mean? So uh, I think I've been waiting for a good time to reach out to Mayor Rahm. I think now's a good one. Uh, I reached out to him while you were saying that little riff about Rahm. Okay. Oh, it's always what's wrong with you. Always wrong with you. Uh, so I got him. I got him on the line right here. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk to Mayor Rom right now. Mayor Rom Emanuel, hello. Okay. He... <laughs> we lost him again. Uh, that sounds like Damn what it. I heard this morning when I called to get my COVID shot. We tried getting him yesterday. Same thing happened. One of these days, we'll get him. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah! <laughs> How's it going, everybody? I'm Dennis. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We begin in Chicago, and it looks as though our extensive coverage of the back-and-forth negotiations between Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's public schools district team and the Chicago Teachers Union comes to a close. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Nadir Issa. Chicago Teachers Union members have accepted school reopening terms offered by Chicago Public Schools, ending a months-long standoff with district officials and setting the nation's third largest school system on a path to bring back tens of thousands of students and teachers to classrooms. The deal puts school workers on a fast track for vaccines, creates health and safety standards, and committees for over 500 schools, lays out a comprehensive testing plan, and delays the return of most students until March. All measures the union pushed for in protracted negotiations. The union's rank-and-file teachers and support staff have approved the agreement in a one-day vote held Tuesday with 68% of voting members, uh, 13,681 of 20,275 favoring the deal. 
surpassing the simple majority needed. The CTU announced after voting ended at midnight. But the tally was even closer than it appeared, with more than 5,000 members not voting, a sign of the split views on reopening schools during the pandemic. Mayor Lightfoot and Chicago Public Schools Chief Janice Jackson said in a joint statement Wednesday morning, quote, the vast majority of CPS families have been separated from their schools for nearly a year. And the ratification of our agreement ensures families have options to choose in-person learning and make a plan that is best for them. We look forward to welcoming students as they return to their classrooms in the days ahead. Our schools are fully prepared to safely welcome back students beginning tomorrow, Thursday. And we are eager to provide additional support for the families who need more than remote learning can provide. Union President Jesse Sharkey didn't mince words in a letter to members early Wednesday. He rebuked Mayor Lightfoot's handling of negotiations and even the final agreement, though he acknowledged it was an improvement over the district's original plan. All right. What a joke. What a joke. By the way, D, how would you have voted if you were a teacher? Okay. No talking, no dodging. How would you have voted? Would you have voted yes to go back? Or would you have voted no? Would you have been one of the 68% of voted yes? Or would you have been one? Hold on, I got to do the math. 68, 32% of voted no. I mean, I, 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 I'm I, saying right now, yeah, I'd be that guy that says yes, but more than likely I'd be that person in the middle that didn't vote. Like, ah, whatever, do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you probably will. Hey, whatever's clever. Hey, whatever's clever. I'm. Uh, hey, you know, whatever you want to do, you know. Uh, I got to I'd be one of the thirty-two voting no. But uh, listen, that just goes to show you, man. You know, this is. I I, I do believe uh, that this vote, that this uh, showdown between the teachers' union uh, and uh, the uh, the mayor over reopening the schools uh, has less to do with politics and more to do with health. And uh, I think it's all summed up by this quote that was in today's uh, Tribune. Got to give the Tribune credit. Uh, they were talking to some parents who were very uh, skeptical as to whether it's still going to be safe to go back to school. Uh, Alice Yin is the name of the reporter. Uh, she quoted a parent from, I guess, from the uh, Murray Language Academy, the South Side, quote, we don't trust what they say because of years and years of mistrust and not keeping their word. For this particular incident, you want us to believe that everything is safe? End of quote. And that's how I feel about it. But watching the Chicago Public Schools, this goes back before Lori Lightfoot, back before Rahm Emanuel, uh, back to the days of Richie Day, back before him, his old man. It's always hard to believe what the uh, leaders of the public schools have to say. And it, this is health considerations. So you got to trust them. They got their act together. And even in like the like the upscale school systems where they scrub and mop and they got uh, everybody's got masks. Even those schools, they open, they close, they open, they close. So uh, I probably would have been one of the 32 percent D that uh, voted. No, I would have do it. Yeah. And that's you. You hit it on the head. You would have forgotten that there was a vote. Oh, man, sorry. Uh, uh, you wouldn't have showed up, but I would have voted no. Uh, and uh, it really doesn't matter because um, all you needed was a simple majority. But uh, it really does uh, put that spotlight on what? The skepticism? That's putting it mildly. That the vast majority of public school teachers have toward the people who uh, run their system. And I'll say this again. 
didn't have to be this way. Mayor Lori Lightfoot could have reached out to the Chicago Teachers Union right off the bat. They were ready to reach back. Yeah, I know. They endorsed Tony Prankwinkle. I know. I know. It was the dumbest mistake. I told them not to do it. They did it anyway. But Lori could have, she won with 75% of the vote. She should have reached out. All this BS wouldn't have happened. By the way, I uh, got a copy of Lori Lightfoot's uh, letter she sent to, I don't know why I get this thing was sent in my wife's name to my email address. Lori Lightfoot's political operation is very similar to the Tea Party's and to the National Democratic Party. I don't know why I'm on these mailing lists, T. I get all these bizarre. One day I'm going to get an email from President Trump's saying, Dear Dr. D, somehow or other they're going to screw (laughs) it up and send it to you. Anyway, uh, Lori Lightfoot says, uh, I want to thank our CPS team and especially CEO, Dr. Janice Jackson and Chief Education Officer Latanya McDade. And then here's the part, little, you know, how about this? I also want to thank Chicago Teachers Union President Jesse Sharkey. We had a series of very candid and productive conversations in which we both worked very hard to hear each other for the betterment of all. I have no doubt that those discussions helped propel us to this moment. And then in the final paragraph, she writes this. And I want to say this to Stacey Davis Gates. Beep you, beep Okay, no. <laughs> that did not, that was not in there. Come on, Lori Lightfoot, reach out, reach out to a peace offering to Stacey Davis Gates. She was on the show yesterday, by the way, talking about Karen Lewis. I urge everybody to uh, check it out if you haven't already. Come on, Lori Lightfoot, it won't kill you. Come on, you can say it. Hi, Stacy. I love you. <laughs> she hates her, D. But she's like, okay, I'll be nice to Sharky. I'll get along with him. But, you know, I guess she could always say, well, he's the president and I'm the mayor, and she's just the vice president. So presidents don't talk to vice president. Mayors don't talk to vice presidents. They only talk to presidents. Okay. Well, ben, there are ways to go, D, before we all bury the hatchet and get along. Go ahead. Well, Ben, since you got your BS meter out, uh, the mayor took to Twitter this morning to share more. Uh, she said, our schools are fully prepared to safely welcome back students beginning tomorrow, and we are eager to provide additional support for the families who need more than remote learning can provide. She goes on. This vote reaffirms the strength and fairness of our plan which provides families and employees certainty about returning to schools and guarantees the best possible health and safety protocols. Hmm. I'm kind of with that family that, uh, that parents that Alice quoted in the Tribune today, we don't trust what they say because of years and years of mistrust, but maybe this will be different. Maybe they really, you think they cleaned away the dead mice. Remember the dead mice. Oh, sorry, Jay Marie. Didn't mean to mention the dead mice again. But do you think they did? That that would be a first step, you know? Clean up the schools a little bit. Oh, they fired all the janitors. Oh, wait, that was Rama did that. Sorry, I didn't mean to blame Mayor Lori Lightfoot for what Rama did. Uh, but, uh, well, we'll see, D. Uh, I know I would vote. I would be very scared. Of course, I'm an old guy. You know, I'm very cautious and afraid of that. You, the young millennials, they don't, you know, maybe they're bolder. Maybe they're eager to go back and they believe everything uh, Lori and Janice Jackson says. So we'll see, D. A little skeptical. 
Well, boy, what a miserable experience that all was, huh? Right there at the beginning of the new year and for a whole month, a potential teacher strike. Now, hopefully by next week, probably not, this story will fade away and be long gone from the news cycle. But, you know, before it goes, Ben, let's take a trip down memory lane and remember the month that was for Mayor Lori Lightfoot, her Chicago Public Schools team, and the Chicago Teachers Union. <laughs> that sounds like the opening to wake up everybody. Every time you do that, like, wake up everybody. No hey, we're, we're, we're supposed to be remembering. Come on, let's oh, go. <laughs> I am a middle school teacher in Chicago Public Schools. I am here with fellow members today, this morning, in front of Del Valle's house to continue bringing attention and adding on the pressure to the mayor, to Dr. Jackson, about this unsafe reopening plan of CPS. All we need now is the CTU leadership to get serious and meet us at the finish line. You have a situation right now where principals, classroom teachers, students, and their families are begging, demanding, asking for safety in the middle of a pandemic. And you have our mayor. Science is back, baby. And our team at CPS <laughs> saying, trust us, we have it. These schools are open and safe, and we are ready to welcome our students back. And frankly, they've been ready for some time. We're here as we see more local school councils in our community. Every school council that we have attended has signed a letter rejecting the reopening plan. We are deeply disappointed to announce that we still have not reached a deal. B-Y-R-O-N-S-I-G-C-H-O-L-O-P-E-Z. Yesterday, there were a series of steps backward that were simply not productive. It's about time that the mayor of this city, the CEO, do what's right for the very people who make up the city. The ball is in the CTU's court. Everyone in this country, in this moment, in the city, in the school district, is experiencing loss and instability. After 80 plus meetings and going above and beyond to address the CTU leadership's various issues and concerns, we are out of runway. We are losing our family members. We are losing our neighbors. We are getting eviction notices. We must get a deal done and get it done now without further delay. I am um, right now. Um... There it was. What a <laughs> shitty month it was. Uh, first of all, in fairness to Jesse Sharkey, in that last bit, which always cracks me up, was from October of 2019. It was a buttercup. <laughs> is that great? That was the last teacher strike. What a great moment that was. Dee, listen, a great job, by the way. Everybody, let's give Dennis a round of applause. You put that together this morning. Good job. Thanks. Uh, give him a raise, take it out of petty cash. That was really good. Just, it was like, you're right. It was uh, a great trip down memory lane. And I'll say that I've been saying the same thing every day, every time we have this. One day, I hope. The pandemic will really be over. We'll all be vaccinated. And our commitment to educating those kids should not end at that moment. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Chicago Tribune editorial board, powers to be in the city. At that moment, you can continue to reach out to the Chicago Teachers Union, who are leading the charge on these issues, to more funding, 
for the Chicago public schools. You want to help those kids? You want to really bridge the gap between the rich and the poor? It doesn't just, it's just not a mission that you should be working toward in the middle of a showdown with the teachers union to try to make the teachers union look bad. It should be like a way of life, a commitment you make. So I'm hoping Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Alderman in the Chicago City Council, by the way, that, that and Chicago Board of Education, D, that reference to Miguel Devaya, he's the president of the Chicago Board of Education for many years. He was a state senator uh, from Chicago. He was a leader in education issues. Boy, were they non-existent. The Board of Education, their mayoral appointee, you didn't hear one word from them. I I think J.B. Pritzker had more to say about uh, the uh, the closed schools in Chicago than the Board of Education did, and J.B. Pritzker didn't have anything to say about them. So that just underscores the need for elected school board this time. I mean, I did not hear peep from the Board of Education. It's like, well, I'm appointed by the mayor. I do whatever the mayor says. The mayor's all powerful. So, uh, yes, Miguel Devay, where were you? Nowhere to be found in this dispute. So let's hope, let's hope, D, uh, that their eagerness, which they profess day after day in the middle of this showdown with Jesse Sharkey and Stacey Davis Gates and the Chicago teachers, let's hope that their eagerness to bridge the gap between the poor and the rich does not end with this showdown that it will continue after everybody's been vaccinated. So, yes, teachers and students in Chicago will be returning to schools in a matter of time. And, hey, because the mayor literally found out yesterday that the rest of Illinois has been doing it already, high school basketball will be returning to the city of Chicago as well. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Michael O'Brien. The wait is over for thousands of Chicago public schools athletes. CPS sports director David Rosengard emailed schools on Tuesday afternoon that boys and girls bowling, boys swimming and diving, competitive cheer and dance, boys and girls basketball and badminton can begin Thursday. Sorry, I didn't mention all these sports on the beginning intro. I don't have enough audio for uh, bad. I, I don't even know what a badminton sound effect would be. Do you, Ben? Oh, that's pretty good. Badminton, have you ever seen like a really competitive badminton game? It's kind of cool. And like people are really smart. I mean, you probably remember badminton from when you were a gym. Like it was like the boring thing you did. But like really good badminton. I got to highlight. I got to say, that's a fantastic badminton impression. I didn't think uh, you had it in you. Good job. You know, I've been in this radio game for a while. You know, I I can tell you a few stories, D. That's cool. Hey, here's the rock. Take a shot. Okay, you missed. It's all right. He'll make it one day. those bulls, huh, Dave? No, let's not discuss those. Go ahead. All right. So uh, we got Rosengard here talking about how all these sports are back, including bowling. Uh, Rosengard wrote, quote, our top priority will continue to keeping uh, will continue to be keeping our staff, students and their families healthy and safe. As we did for our comprehensive health and safety plan for reopening schools, the district is working closely with our public health officials to ensure sports can be offered safely. And I ensure everybody that I am safe. I know you heard sirens there in the background. 
They're coming to take him away. Did a funny farm. Sorry, Live from my apartment. Uh, winter sports guidelines have been outlined, and CPS is evaluating the option of voluntary COVID-19 testing for athletes. According to the Illinois High School Association rules, basketball teams will need to practice for seven days before they can play games, which means games could begin sometime next week. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts? <laughs> a lot of thoughts. <laughs> you know, I'll go back to what that uh, parent was said in the tribute today. They have no faith. Uh, what, how, what was the exact quote? We don't trust what they say because of years and years of mistrust. Now, guys, I don't want you to take make any conclusions. Just because yesterday the mayor didn't realize the state had given her the okay to open up the badminton season, the bowling season, the basketball season, just because she didn't realize it does not mean she's not on top of her game. Now, Dennis, you were implying that with your little skeptical remarks and your little cynical asides. And I just want to say right now, Hmm. disregard all the cynicism pouring out of young Dennis. It does not in any way mean that Mayor Lori Lightfoot is not on top of her game. And you can't be assured that when you go back in that school, every step will be taken to make that a safe process for everyone. I just want to say that. By the way, it was a uh, uh, Michael O'Brien. Shout out to Michael O'Brien. He was the one who had the big scoop a Chicago Sun-Times high school uh, writer. Uh, and so yesterday he talked about how everybody was shocked uh, in public schools that uh, Mayor Lightfoot apparently did not realize that she had the green light to, to uh, start the basketball season again. And they couldn't find a coach who will be quoted. That tells you everything you need to know about Chicago. Don't quote me. Don't want to be fired. Like I always say, folks, there are more. There are probably going to be more Republican senators willing to vote against Donnie than you'll have a basketball coach in Chicago willing uh, to take a, say anything remotely critical about the mayor. Why? Because they're at will employees who could be fired at any moment. That's why. Anyway, uh, I'm happy. That they got, but today's follow-up, Michael O'Brien did not. Uh, <laughs> there was no explanation as to why the mayor didn't know uh, <laughs> the rules. Which is sort of, let's forget about that and move on. And you know what? Let's let's move on. Okay, basketball season starts. Everybody's got to wear masks. You know. Yeah, get your just, swimming mask out. Whatever that is. <laughs> I don't think you have to wear masks for swimming. But uh, anyway, I, listen. I, really, I I feel sorry uh, for the, the high school kids. I've said this so many times because high school is tough enough. If, oh, my God. High school is really hard. Uh, and so, you know, extracurricular activities help you get through it. Now, the guys on the reefer team, they were cool, man. Well, they, you know, they, the reefer you know, they team. Re- <laughs> Dennis is like, damn, I wish they had a reefer team when I was a kid. We'd have been all state. No. Uh, the reefer. When I was in high school, we just called those guys the dirt bags over there in the corner of the <laughs> of the hall. Well, I can tell you the dirt bags have been hard at work. They didn't let the pandemic stop them. I, I just got to uh, smile a little bit. Uh, I know everything. Like, the way our uh, officials talk about uh, students in school, they it bears no relation to my memory of what my life in school, but like to hear our public officials talk about how important it is to go back to school. And I don't mean I shouldn't laugh at it because it is important. Education is very important, but you would think they were all young scholars in the laboratory mixing chemicals 
<laughs> hard at work trying to figure out what is Walt Whitman really saying in this poem? You know, studying their algebraic equations. Ah, yes. If X equals Y and Y equals Z, then X equals Z. Instead of hanging out. In the Wait, are, am I working lot. with Dan Biss today? That was great. <laughs> you know, I never told you this, Dennis, but I went to Abbott's in high school and I past freshman algebra okay <laughs> i gotta see in it all right yeah, so i know my math i was a young scholar at evanston high school all right yeah so what if i spent almost every night listening to top pop radio and bulls games i also found time to occasionally do homework anyway i guess they're just sort of emphasizing the ideal of what a high school education should be like right d right 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 the young students sitting around. They're like Abraham Lincoln reading law by the candlelight. That's young scholars. Give an opportunity when there's no pandemic. How about that? All right. Let's tutoring, after school programs, preschool programs. How about you want to help out athletes? Let's go. How about the kids who are not good enough to make the team? How about an intramural program? We had intramurals back in the ancient days when I was a guy played intramural floor hockey and softball and flag football. I wasn't good enough to make any team at Evanston, but I could play intramurals. Let's have an intramural program, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Well, sorry. <laughs> when school starts, get in that school and then leave. They're great at kicking kids out of school. Get out of this school, you worthless. You'd be good on that reefer team, though, that you were talking oh, about. Man. Well, that was more of a college thing. I was, oh, I could, oh, my apologies. <laughs> my apologies. I was a young scholar in college, too. Oh, wow, man. I get your marijuana you put, timeline mixed up. My apologies. Yeah, if you put the headphones on when you're listening to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, do beep, 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 do beep, 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 beep. Sounds so cool, man. Once again, this news comes just one day after Mayor Lori Lightfoot's comments at a news conference revealed she was unaware that the rest of the state was playing sports and CPS was not. I'm not a perfect person. Dennis, we all make mistakes, okay? That's why there's erasers at the end of pencils, right? Just remember that, okay? When you're feeling all high and holy and mighty because you knew that the rest of the state was playing because you listened to the Ben Jarofsky show. When you're feeling that way, just remember, I, Dennis, have made mistakes from time to time, and I'm no better than anyone else. I am humble. That's how you have to be, D. Oh, that just sounds like a crummy podcast. I like I like the way we are. Okay. Uh, and along with schools and uh, and along with schools in school sports, restaurants are working on reopening, preparing for the return of indoor dining. The Chicago Sun Times and Fran the Woe Man Spielman wrote: Chicago restaurants and bars fighting for survival after twice being forced to stop serving diners indoors uh, are getting a bit of a reprieve. But it's only what Illinois Restaurant Association President Sam Toya calls a baby step. Instead of raising indoor capacity to 50 percent, Mayor Lightfoot's administration is, quote, turning the dimmer switch effective Thursday by freezing capacity at 25 percent, but allowing Chicago restaurants to serve 50 people per room or floor up from 25 people currently. According to Sam Toya, the problem with the mayor's go slow approach is that it penalizes neighborhood restaurants 
with only one dining room. Toya said, quote, it's a baby step. We would like to be at straight out 40 or 50 percent capacity with no limits on rooms. However, the mayor and Dr. Arwadi do not want to move that fast, that quick. I see There's a distinction between the safety standards of the schools and the restaurants. You know my opinion on this, Dave, I'm a libertarian. Ah, let them all open. I'm with Toya. Just let them all open. What the heck? Actually, it's not fair because the poor, uh, the workers in the restaurant, you don't want to get sick. How about making, putting them on the list to get the vaccine? Oh, wait, everybody else is on the list to get the vaccine. Well, by the way, you ever notice how much uh, better Sam Toya, the head of the Restaurant Association, gets along with Mayor Lori Lightfoot? Do you ever notice this than like any teacher? Has she ever said to Sam Toya, I'm going to take your car, I'm going to throw you out? You ever said anything like that to Sam Toya? I think Mayor Lori Lightfoot loves eating out, so she likes restaurants. But I thought she liked schools too, so I don't know which one it is. Anyway. Sam Toya had enough sense to endorse Mayor Lori Lightfoot back in 2019. That may have had something to do with it. Go slow, I say. I'm very nervous, D. I'm very nervous. I'm not about to go out to eat any time soon. Not until not I get the vaccine. But I'm very cautious. I, I actually took them serious back in March when they said, this is a real serious virus. Could kill you if you're an old guy. So that's why I'm a little skeptical. When they say, okay, eh, go out to eat, okay, go to a bar, okay, go to school without the vaccine. A little skeptical, do you? So cancel our dinner plans for <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. Okay. What about okay. you? Are you ready to go back to a restaurant? You are. You've, haven't you already been back to a restaurant? No, I haven't been back to eat in, indoors in a restaurant, no. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I almost really went into Red Lobster. Almost went into Red Lobster. <laughs> but I'm like, ah, come on, Dennis, fight it. Fight the urge. And I did not. Every now and then, Dennis wakes up in the middle of the night and his brain is going, Red Lobster for the seafood lover in you. Because I want those crab legs. <laughs> I just wake I, uh, up. I wake up in the middle and I, I cheddar bay biscuits. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I was really tempted. I was, I got a, this confession time. I'm going to make a confession. So I really wanted to see Denzel's movie, uh, The Little Things. Huge Denzel fan. And I saw it was playing in movie theaters. And I actually was tempted to sneak out to the local movie theater. I was going to wear two masks, a hazmat suit. I was going to, like, sit way far away from anyone else. It's just so I could see Denzel's movie on the big screen. The movies, you can still go see, The movies are open, D. So weird, like movies are open, but schools are closed, but restaurants are closed. It's very confusing. Anyway, I didn't do it. Uh, my wife and kids said, no way, you're not doing it. Not till you get the vaccine. So I watched it on TV like everyone else. So cancel our movie theater <laughs> night planned for next weekend. Okay. We were going to go see that uh, Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino Film Festival. Uh, all QT's movies. Remember, D, we were going to do that. Okay, well, let's talk statewide news here. Uh, the Illinois vaccination site tour continues for our Democratic Illinois governor. The enemy is you. Okay, not cool. <laughs> yeah. I wear a mask. 
Today, Governor Pritzker was in Quincy, <laughs> Illinois, to tour an Adams County vaccination site. Speaking of vaccinations, uh, Mark Brown, one Chicago Sun-Times writer, recently got a vaccination. And Ben, you wanted to talk about that, did you not? Yes, I did. It was an excellent column uh, by Mark Brown. I urge everybody to read it. It had me laughing out loud. I was quoting my wife. Honey, Mark Brown. <laughs> I think it was really annoying to be at the breakfast table to be quoting a newspaper article. Has anyone ever done that to you? Oh, my God, this is hilarious. And she was like, I'll read it myself. Uh, but uh, as everybody knows who listens to the show, Mark Brown is a political reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, perhaps best known. Uh, for his column about uh, his athletic prowess, which enabled him to conquer Cricket Hill. How many times, Steve, did he do it? Uh, what, like a good 62? <laughs> yeah. He wrote a column once about how he runs up and down Cricket Hill, and then Ramana Hussein comes on the show every Friday was a little skeptical. A little skeptical she was. Remember that day? She was like, oh. No, 15 times, right? He said 15. <laughs> 15 times. And, you know... I was a little, I got to say, a little envious because I think the most I've ever done was like five and I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm like, how the hell Mark Brown didn't run up Cricket Hill 15 times? No way. But he swears up and down he did it. Anyway, he wrote a, a very funny column about getting uh, the vaccine. A real shot in the arm for the COVID-19 blues. Mark Brown, I urge everybody to check it out. It's a very funny column uh, because... Well, number one, any of you who have tried to get the vaccine, you got to realize it's really hard unless you know somebody. Like, there's always that. I mean, uh, my wife has a few friends that are like boasting, yeah, I got it. Got it really fast because I know this doctor who had a supply. Uh, I got a call. I talked about this a while ago. Sam Holloway's wife. Uh, she knew a doctor who knew a doctor who had a batch and was just sitting around. And it wasn't just she goes, if you know any teachers who need it, come to go to this doctor really fast. So this bizarre system we have of capitalism, instead of making sure that everybody in the country gets the vaccine. No, no, no. dribs and drabs here and there. I, my guess is it's to guarantee that whoever controls the vaccine is making, getting their money. It's a very bizarre system of capitalism. We just accept this stuff. I don't hear, I don't hear anybody questions it. Just like, well, I'm going to wait for my time. Anyway, so Mark Brown has been writing, he's written columns about how dutifully he's been um, uh, phoning the, uh, the county vaccine helpline. And, you know, you're on hold for a while. I'll just read you the I've been on hold a while, but probably no longer than 15 minutes before a woman from the county public health vaccination scheduling hotline, helpline answered the phone. It required dozens of calls and trips to the website to get to this far, but I made it to the same stage two previous times in the past week, so my expectations were low. In other words, you got to call, you got to wait, you're on hold. I've done this. I've been there, Mark. I know what you're saying. They got this weird music in the background, which I've heard so much, Dave, I'm actually starting to kind of like. You know, that kind of elevator music they have when you're on hold? And I'm like, I've heard it so much. I'm like, oh, yeah. Starting to think it's kind of like a little snappy beat. Then you, like, oh. then you start rapping, and that's when they pick up the phone. You're like, oh, my name's Ben. And, oh, hello? <laughs> I never got to the part where they picked up the phone. i got to admit, my patience is short. Anyway, give Mark Brown credit. Uh, he waited till the lady answered the phone, and she, yeah, he asked if she had any openings. Uh, I'm sure my tone of voice sounded more defeated than hopeful, he writes. But then she said, 
Could you do 1.30 p.m. tomorrow in Tinley Park? I almost jumped out of my chair. And then he says, I woke up Tuesday, the day of the vaccine, as excited as a kid on Christmas Day. I never thought a person could be so excited about driving to Tinley Park. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Then I realized it really was like a kid on Christmas because it was only 3.30 in the morning. So I answered the call of nature that calls more often than when you get back to my, when you get to my age and headed back to bed. Ah, Too much information, Mark Brown. The vaccine site was at the Tilly Park Convention Center at 183rd in Harlem. Don't tell Dr. Rick from the Progressive Insurance. We can keep you from becoming your parents' commercials. But I printed out my confirmation email. First of all, I would have printed out my confirmation email uh, as well. So there's nothing wrong with that. But number two, Mark, I hate to break it to you. You and I are about the same age. We are the parents in that commercial. We're not the people who don't want to be our parents. We are the parents. Anyway, he gets his uh, vaccine, and then at the very end, he says, as another nice woman explained, you really don't want to leave before you get the second appointment. Otherwise, it's back to the phones and the website. I feel bad for everyone still caught in this particular hell with millions of people chasing open appointments that only number in the thousands as vaccines slowly become available. All I can say is don't give up hope. Some people are getting appointments and eventually uh, something should open up. The rest is easy. Great column. And so you uh, sparked me, uh, Mark Brown. And I want to thank you because I didn't do it. My wife immediately when I was reading this, she called the number. What is the number here? It's at the bottom of the story. I'm going to give the bright one credit. They put the number in 833-308-1988. And uh, somebody answered the phone. And we're now we're on a list. You're (laughs) on the list. So every morning, D, follow me on this. Every morning now, the way it works at seven in the morning, okay. and you know I'm up at seven. Oh, that, that, absolutely <laughs> every day. Chopping wood, hey, chopping that wood. Go for a hard walk. Then I make a big stack of pancakes. Hell yeah! All this is false. <laughs> anyway, every morning at seven, I'm supposed to call the number, whatever that number is. Oh, he lost the number, guys. <laughs> And see if somebody's canceled their appointment. See, Dave, that's how it's what it's come down to. I gotta hope that someone cancels their appointment. You're never getting that thing, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking now, who is gonna cancel their appointment? You know what I mean? That, that's <laughs> like, I mean, some people, everybody wants the vaccine, so okay, maybe it's possible that somebody won't be able to make it that day. You know, something comes up, their car doesn't work. By the way, that's the back of my mind. The car won't work. I've got to go down to Tilly Park. The car won't work. But who is going to get it together to call and cancel? <laughs> I'm sorry. I won't be there. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, I was all set to get this vaccine, but then I just started watching YouTube, and I saw this one guy. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Alex Jones? You ever heard of this guy? You know, he's really got me thinking, you know? He had documents and everything, you know? <laughs> I don't think I'm getting that vaccine. Plus, he has his own remedy, you know, that you can take. So, anyway, I want to thank Mark Brown. I'm now on a waiting list. Thanks to him, uh, we got it together and we called him. I want a waiting list. If somebody turns down, this is how low it is. How low I, how low I am on a totem ball. I only get the vaccine, D, even though I'm ancient. I'm so old, I'm eligible for the vaccine. 
I only get the vaccine if some other ancient person, you know, <laughs> decides not only that he or she can't make their vaccination appointment, but is so kind and generous as to call ahead and say, I can't make it, which I really don't think a lot of people are going to do. You know, it's sort of like when you uh, go to a, a concert with the old days before the uh, pandemic, really popular concert, and you go, well, if other people don't show up at the last minute, you can get a ticket and you wait in line. One time that actually happened. Uh, we got, who is it? Sharon Jones. We got ushered in to see Sharon Jones. Once, D. I remember in line to see Gladys Knight and the Pips. Didn't happen. You know, Earth, Wind, and Fire didn't happen. But maybe this will be different. Anyway, it was a very funny column and uh, very informative. I want to thank Mark Brown for writing it. I had said that I don't want to get vaccinated uh, before, like bus drivers do, teachers, grocery store clerks, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, that I'm gonna, I want to wait my turn, but because I'm ancient, I'm eligible. And everybody I know is get that vaccine. So, D, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to call. Uh, the, the real issue is, will who will be the one that gets up in the morning at seven? Me or my wife? Uh, we all know the answer. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. Thank you, Mark Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the documents. Mark Brown did not run up Cricket Hill 15 times. I have the documents. <laughs> Sources close to me say he only ran up that damn thing 10 times. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> we'll be right back. Uh, yeah. Poor Mark Brown. Uh, we doubt that he ran up Cricket Hill 15 times. Did we got a little more time? I'm going to give another shout out to another comma. So I'm going to roll here. Yeah, go for Can it. Okay. Uh, very good column by Eric Zorn in the uh, Tribune today. And this has to do with the whole story of uh, John Lausch. This is um, backlash builds over Biden bid to bag Lausch. Well, that's, that's a tongue twister. Yeah, I know. Can you read that backlash. one more time? Backlash builds over Biden bid to bag Lausch. This is probably some times. A lot of bees there. Uh, backlash builds over Biden bid to bag Lausch. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, here you go. Now, here we go. Tribute Sun-Times headline battle. You ready, D? All right. So you heard the Sun-Times. Well, it's, ba- it's called Battle over. of the Headlines, but go ahead. Uh, what did I call it? Headline <laughs> battle. <laughs> hey, my glory life was. She didn't know the basketball season started, right? Give me a break, okay? That's why they got racers on the ends of pencils. Let's hear the headline. Backlash bills over Biden bid to bag Lausch. That's the headline in the Chicago Sun-Times. And here's the headline in the Tribune. Biden urged to keep on federal prosecutor. <laughs> Boy, our both choices are not great. I got to say. Democratic GOP Illinois Pauls want Lausch to say, I don't know. I got to go with the bright one. Backlash builds over Biden beat the bag. Lausch. <laughs> Sounds like you playing bass, your air bass. <laughs> anyway, this is a classic story. This comes up every now and then. Uh, the U.S. Uh, attorney. Uh, appointed uh, by the president, confirmed by the Senate, John Lausch. Uh, And uh, so Joe Biden came in and he asked every single U.S. attorney uh, to hand in his letter of resignation. This is a pair of tradition uh, that presidents do. Uh, They they should they have the right to nominate uh, 
their own U.S. attorneys. And so, you know, this is, I guess, Biden is just following a long line, a long tradition. And this one cracks me up. Uh, I remember this over for Peter Fitzpatrick, similar thing, a former U.S. attorney. All this outcry, you know, by uh, various, um, you know, the senators, congressmen, for both parties. No, keep him. He's doing a great job prosecuting. And in this case, I mean, Laos, I got to give credit, even though he's appointed by Donald Trump. Yes, he's he uh, he's the one to put together the, ultimately the case against Michael Joseph Madigan. Uh, well, literally, they haven't indicted uh, Madigan, but it's they're working their way up the food chain. Uh, what else did he? Um, what else? What other cases? Uh, I can't remember the other. Case. Oh, here we go. Ed Burke. How can I forget Ed Burke? He was the one who put together the case, uh, the racketeering indictment of Alderman Ed Burke. So it's like I think you can make uh, the argument that it's a, a good idea to have some uh, continuity here, not just bring in a new U.S. attorney to continue these prosecutions, send a message out to politicians that someone's paying attention. And I like, uh, it's something that seemed apparently everybody, all Republicans like Adam Kinzinger and Darren LaHood and Rodney Davis agree with, uh, and uh, Durbin and uh, Tammy Duckworth agree with it. So uh, I, I can abide by that. I can see that it was the same argument made uh, with Peter Fitzpatrick. So all these Republicans and Democrats are, uh, you know, on their high horse saying, keep him. We need him. We believe in clean government. By the way, I'll point out that they like were all pals with Ed Burke up until the day the indictment came down. They were all pals with Ed Burke. But now, like, yeah, we need him. But uh, Eric Zorn in the middle of it all. Wrote a great column today. Uh, New state Republican chair Don Tracy lives in ethical glass house is the headline. Uh, and uh, Don Tracy uh, was just elected as the Illinois Republican Party chairman. And his counterpart is Michael Madigan, who's still the chair of the Illinois Democratic Party. And immediately uh, uh, Don Tracy started trying, presenting him as a cleaner version of Michael Madigan. Well, Eric Zorn took the deep dive uh, and discovered that the new head of the uh, Republican Party in the state of Illinois, Don Tracy, uh, had a complaint filed against him uh, having to do with campaign contributions. When investigators interviewed Tracy, who finished third in the GOP primary for lieutenant government, he told him that when he joined the gaming board, he believed that the ban on political activity meant no solicitations, campaigning, or promoting candidates. Only later did he learn that the ban included contributions. Just a little whoopsie then, uh, Eric Zorn writes. Well, investigators noticed something quite curious in the election records from 1998 until 2015. Tracy's wife, Wanda, made exactly one political contribution. But after her husband joined the gaming board, she began writing campaign checks left and right from the couple's joint accounts, often crossing out her husband's name on printed checks. In other words, even though Don Tracy was banned because he was on the gaming commission for making political contributions, his wife continued to make them. Uh, when told about this, Tracy told Tribune reporters uh, that the complaint was a bit sexist. I don't see anything at all wrong or unethical about my wife exercising her constitutional right. I'm like, dude, that is hilarious. Republicans, when they're so desperate for an explanation for whatever wrongdoing they've been caught with, all of a sudden he pulls out the sexist card. 
you know, complaining about sexism. This is the this is the Republican Party that claims that there's nothing uh, systemic racism doesn't exist in this country. This is the Republican Party that's always telling you that they're against any kind. What what do they call it? Like uh, uh, wokeness in this country. Pretty desperate to cover his ass. The new Republican party chair in the state of Illinois, Don Tracy, excellent call by Eric Zorn, pointing out the inconsistencies. Don Tracy is one saying, yes, we must keep Laosh in. Come on, Republicans. Got to be at least a little consistent. Don't start talking about sexism when you when you get caught doing something you shouldn't do. Anyway, Dean, good call by Eric Zorn. Easy. What's going on? This audio sounding good these days, right? Right? All right, that's our local news, everybody. Uh, before we get to our interview with Monroe Anderson, uh, we have breaking news. Ben Jarofsky has a book coming out. Oh! Isn't that right, Ben? Yes. He's very, he's very excited about it. And the book is titled The Media, The Politicians, The Sports, The Activists. It's Ben Jarofsky's Greatest Hits, a Chicago Reader exclusive, everybody. Yeah, we're going to be talking about this uh all throughout the month uh, to come here. Uh, it's Ben Jarofsky's Greatest Hits. I'm looking at the back of the book right now. The cover, a very awesome cover of Ben Jarofsky just staring at the city. Good times. Uh, the back of the book says here, Ben Jarofsky's Greatest Hits is a collection of profiles and features handpicked by Ben himself from his 40 years of writing for the Chicago Reader. Each Ouch. article. <laughs> Are you Okay. No, ouch, 40 years. Okay, oh, well, I mean, after I just read that, I just got to look after you now. Don't, don't hurt <laughs> yourself. I seen yet. <laughs> yeah, please get it. Uh, each article offers a distinctive portrait of an activist, politician, writer, or sports personality who has left an incredible imprint on Chicago. Uh, taken together, they create a compelling case for what makes the city among the most intriguing in the world. Yes, Ben Jarofsky has a book. It is coming out, everybody. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, ben, tell us a little bit about this. Well, here's the deal. Uh, Tracy Bame uh, and Karen Hawkins, uh, the co-publishers of My Beloved Reader, um, are really doing everything they possibly can uh, to build up support and interest uh, for the reader so he can continue to flourish and do the good work that we do. Uh, if I must say so myself. And so they've asked each of the writers, or not each of every writer, but of several writers uh, to put compilations of their stuff together. And so uh, we can sold and the money is going to a very good cause to keep the reader going. And uh, so it's all part of a larger effort to get people to support the reader, support this show. You're going to hear a lot about that coming in the future. Uh, a little help, uh, help supporting the show. And as I'll be pointing out, uh, basically we're raising the money because we've got to pay Dennis. Right? Oh, yeah. like a horse. No pressure. <laughs> got to keep him going to Red Lobster. Uh, so anyway, yeah, so they asked me to put together. I, I, I know I've talked about this in the past. It was like a real struggle because, I, I mean, I've been working a long time, folks. <laughs> like they said, 40 years. I've been working for so long for the reader that a lot of my reader articles – aren't even online. They didn't start uh, putting article. What was it? 1987. They go back to 87 online. And uh, before that, they go, ah, forget it. The reader's been around since 71. But, yeah, it's much work. So anyways, a whole bunch of articles I wrote in the eighties. Ah, they're good articles, eh, but uh, they're not online. 
so yeah, I went back and indeed I read a whole bunch of old articles and I struggled like which one should I put in, which one should I leave out? And um, there were some that um, I said, you know, if there's a greatest hits two, maybe I'll put them in. Uh, and then there were others that were too, they were too similar to what was all I had chosen for uh, uh, the book, the compilation this time. So I held them off. So it was, it was tough. I was really pulling. There was one consistency. I, I realized I've done so many Pat Quinn stories. I think, I think we're going to bring governor Quinn back to the show. The yeah. him on a while just to talk about all the stories I, I wrote about Pat Quinn going back to the eighties when he was a young grassroots activist, always looking for any attention he could get for whatever cause when all, when the Tribune wouldn't cover him and the sun times would call that guy from the reader, that hippie guy, he'll write about it. <laughs> So I got a whole bunch of Pat Quinn stories uh, that I had a sifter when I was going to the go. Oh my God. I wrote a lot about Pat Quinn. The media. You're welcome, Pat Quinn. What's that date? The media, the politicians, the sports, the activists. It's Ben Jarofsky's greatest hits, a Chicago reader exclusive book from our very own Ben Jarofsky. More details about this are going to be coming uh, throughout the weeks, throughout the days, throughout the month. Don't worry. We'll have all the details, how you can support, how you can buy it. And uh, I don't know, maybe uh, once the book comes out, uh, we could do some quotes from the book. I think that's a great idea. You know? And uh, I, I, I urge everybody. Um, to buy it uh, because first of all you'll you may enjoy some of the uh, the stories from the past the 80s the 90s and the o's but also it does support the show and it supports the reader uh in all seriousness dennis does a great great job he knows i love him dearly i'm just teasing him when i say we have to feed him but we gotta feed him <laughs> kid eats like a horse uh, yeah you know this winter time I, I do eat like a horse in the winter time <laughs> so uh, it's a good way to support the show that's my opinion we'll be talking more about that oh i got an idea what if we did uh listeners can call in leave us a voicemail and give us their best ben jarofsky impression and read quotes <laughs> from the book <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll start. I'll start it out. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that's an idea. Let's try to make that happen. All right. But no, be on the lookout for that. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more like our interview with Stacey Davis Gates. Guys, hands down this interview. I, it was great. It was incredible. An incredible interview. Stacey Davis Gates, Ben Jarofsky talk one-on-one about the great Karen Lewis. Uh, I'm just going to say it. You're not going to find a better uh, podcast or any source of media uh, talking about it. So go check it out. ChicagoReader.com, wherever else you download podcasts uh, and so much more. Over 900 episodes. Go check it out. A lot of stuff in the works here for the Ben Jarofsky show. You saw the logo. All right. We're not playing. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Monroe Anderson. It's the Ben Jarofsky show. We are live from my my apartment in his attic.